You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, this is John Nidecker. Hi, I'm Joe Salcihi, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. And you are listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. Hello, and welcome to Current Events Thursday. This is a new type of episode here on Earn and Invest on the last Thursday of every month where we discuss breaking or maybe even broken financial news with both an expert as well as a community member. Community members have volunteered to add their perspectives of the common man or woman behind the podcast player. But of course, we know that Earn and Invest listeners are anything but common. Today, we are joined by expert Joe Salcihi, who is the creator and co-host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast, also known as the greatest money show on earth. He is the author of Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. From our community, we have John Nidecker, who is 43 years old and a primary care sports physician that works in a private orthopedic office. His financial awakening started at the beginning of the pandemic, and mainly his education has been through podcasts and audiobooks. John and Joe, welcome to Earn and Invest. Today's article comes from author Richard P. Himmer on Kiplinger.com and is titled The Five Stages of Retirement and How to Skip Three of Them. He advises, getting the first step wrong inevitably means you'll go through stages three through five. Get step one right, and it's a two-step process. He goes on to say, in the world of retirement, a growing concern emerges as retirees, despite having the financial means for their envisioned retirement lifestyle, find themselves grappling with isolation, depression, identity, lack of purpose, and mental health challenges. This poignant issue stems from a profound disconnect between the perceived desires of retirement and the essential elements required for true happiness and well-being. First and foremost, Joe, I feel like I have to jump right to you. Are you even going to ever retire? Because maybe this conversation has nothing to do with you because I see you dying right there in front of the mic at the age of like 99. Oh, you know what's cool, Doc, is that if I do the ratings for that episode, it'll be so high. Everybody (laughs) will be like, did you see that guy die on a podcast? Like that was amazing. Halfway, That's what I'm going for. No, you know what? And you and I have talked about this. If you do it right, what I like about this piece that we're going to discuss is that I think if you do it right, the concept of retirement really kind of dies because it becomes much more about life transition than about sitting in a rocking chair and wasting away. John, people like Joe and I, we spend a huge amount of time thinking about retirement, but I wonder for people like you, you're a physician like I am, do you spend a huge amount of time worrying about retirement and break it down? Do you worry about the money or do you worry about like the other stuff? Like, what am I going to do with myself? We, we definitely think about the money, at least initially, but 
once you kind of get into a point to where you're in that accumulation phase and everything is on autopilot, and that's kind of where I am right now, it's like, okay, well, what happens when I get there? And and looking into different things that, that you know, are we going to continue doing what we're doing because we love, you know, and I certainly have a lot of physician colleagues that don't never retire. They do that because they they truly have a calling for this. Some people get fed up with the system, though. They love medicine, but they get fed up with the system. So sometimes they want to transition into a different type of medicine. And then some just don't do medicine at all. So I think we just need to, you have to, you have to do the work and in whatever form or fashion that is and figure out where you where you're going when everything's all said and done. Tell me about you specifically, John. Do you worry, boy, I'm going to hit retirement. Maybe I'll be ready to leave medicine, but gosh, what am I going to do with my time? Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's kind of looking at your your second curve. I, when I was reading this article, the the first thing that was coming to me in mind was it was the the writings of Arthur Brooks, who's famous for doing the book strength to strength and it's about that that transition curve you know there's there's that fluid that fluid intelligence and that crystallizing intelligence and recognizing that that is a thing that you know happens and if you don't recognize that you're setting yourself up for for a bad a bad retirement because no matter what you do fluid intelligence which is our you know our our ability to innovate to think fast, to focus hard, you know, that dwindles down. But then we start to kind of transition to this, this crystallized intelligence, which is more of a, a teacher or a mentor, or a, you know, you explain things better. I see that actually in my practice myself. I feel like I do so much of a better job explaining things and getting things on a, on a, on a level that I need to with patients in the office as I kind of go through. And maybe that's experience, but I think it's, I feel a shift in my you know, I used to, you know, be able to study all night. That's not happening anymore. I can't do that. So I'm starting to notice that shift as well. And then looking for a that second that second curve of of how can I transition into the the brute force kind of mental acumen that you need in medical school to to becoming more of a, a teacher. Joe, let's take a step back. I mean, is Richard Himmer here like raining on our parade? Like, why can't we just dream about retirement and figure we'll watch TV, we'll travel, we'll play a little golf? Why isn't that enough? Wes Moss has a fantastic uh, book about what the happiest retirees know. And the happiest retirees have at least four of these. I don't know the I don't know the term that he uses, but these super passions that they like that are outside of work. And the average retiree, by the way, has two. So they have two things they think about besides work. And when I was a financial planner, it's been a long time since then, but financial planners today tell me it hasn't changed much is I want to travel and I want to play golf, right? Like those are the two that I heard over and over and over. And then I go, okay, after the first three weeks are over, what are you going to do after that? Like that, that becomes so boring. Like I can't do just that all day. It's not, there's not enough texture. There's also not enough there's not enough real living. There's not enough community. We talk about how even if you're an introvert, you need community and you need to be you need to be needed in some ways. There's got to be some reason for you to still wake up in the morning. You know what's funny is that when I when I first when I first looked at this, I thought people don't think enough. They don't dream hard enough about what those four passions are. But then I realized, and it's and it's funny because I think it gets to what John was just referencing, which is I think non-money nerds dream about that all the time. Dream about like, what, what am I going to do when I get the hell out of here? 
Like what, what are these, what are these things that I could be doing? And don't get me wrong. They might not be life passions, but we dream about that. What's the problem? They never think about the money for a lot of people until it's too late. And then people come to this financial independence journey. And, you know, you and I, Doc, have met a lot of people who were introduced to this journey by doing a quick Google search about how do I quit my job? How do I get the hell out of here? And what do they find? They find something like Mr. Money Mustache's piece around the simple math around retirement, right? They find J.L. Collins' book. They find something like that. And then we actually flip. And I think that we have two different audiences. We've got audience one that dreams about it all the time, but not, I think, in a realistic way. And then audience two, which is now stop dreaming about what they're doing and instead is so intrigued by the math and we get so into the math and what's my number. And, you know, that becomes this drug about, oh man, I just got to find, I got to get to that number. I got to get that. That I think those are two big ways people can both be dis- disappointed when they reach that that number, that age. John, which are you more at risk for? I assume being on this show, you're probably more at risk for falling on that math side. But I guess another way of asking the same question is, have you been kind of listing out or thinking about those passions that you're going to pursue when you have more time? Or are you pursuing them now outside of medicine? I started with the math. I have a scientific brain, you know, that that's where it all started for me. But yeah, I, I you know, you build things out, you look at things, you project things, you go, I'm probably going to be here around that time, you know, but the inevitability is what, what is next? What are you going to do next? Are you just going to sit around the house and stare at your wife and, or yes, or, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or at but, least that's what but, I tell her. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl's to, listening. Yes. Yeah. So you have to figure out like what, what, what's passionate to you. And, and I, I think that's so individualized for everybody. I'm still figuring that out. I mean, there are definitely things that I'm, I'm getting into as far as even health too. I have a seven-year-old son, you know, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly old father. We're separated by 35 years. You know, I want to be around when he's at my age. Right. So I'm thinking about a lot of longevity. That's something that I'm interested in. And then at the same time, as I'm interested in it for myself, I'm kind of thinking about "Mm, maybe there's a transition curve here for me in my career too. You know, there's, there's things that are, are interesting in in that sense that, that I'm trying to do and I'm looking into as, as myself. It's interesting because there's, there's definitely going to be a curve, assuming that you have several years to go until you're ready to transition out of your current role, like knowing that, that the things that you're passionate about today are not going to be the same things you're passionate about when you, when you get there. Mm -hmm. But, but, but I think it is important to know that, that having at least four and starting to build that bridge now, you know, is, is the big thing, which it sounds like you're, you're pretty focused on, like, what are my other things? And, and am I more interested in teaching maybe younger physicians to do what I'm doing now or, or, or how to explain stuff to patients or whatever it might be that or maybe even more community oriented things around medicine, like getting involved in those now so that by the time you're ready to make that transition, you're knee deep in it is, is I think truly where the magic hits, which is Mm -hmm. sad doc, because I think a lot of people don't think about it the way John is. I think a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to, you know, cut bait on this career on Monday or Friday and on Monday, then I'm going to start the new thing. Well, it's impossible to, to be super passionate about it and be deep enough in it that you can really be moving in it. If you take that approach. Yeah. You know, it really gets to this whole idea of 
building a sense of purpose, or in this case, we're using the word passion, but it's something that has to be built. And and Joe, what you just said really hits me about that is if you go from zero to try to be everything all at once, you're not kind of building that strong framework of purpose and passion, which I think will carry you through those retirement years. John, you know, it hits me. We were talking before we started this recording and so you do sports medicine, but a passion of yours is being a ringside doc. So it hits me that, you know, for you, the sporting aspect may outlive the actual doctoring aspect. There's no doubt about that. And and I'm a, it's not just the ringside stuff that I'm into. I, I, one of my favorite things to do is be on a high school football sideline in the fall, you know, and this past weekend I was at the state wrestling championship here in in North Carolina. And I got to see two of my patients win two state titles. Wow. Super, super cool to see. And it really kind of, I love doing those things because it, it really brings me back to focus in the sense of why I did this in the first place. Most of the time it's a grind during the day, you know, like getting through things. It's, you know, I have to deal with insurance companies, not approving things. And I have my headaches and granted, I have a good job and I'm very happy with my job, but you know, there comes, there comes a point where you just need to need to recognize what, what are the important things and why you did this in the first place. So I, I have, I do have a grounded aspect of that and the ringside stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm heading up to New York to cover a couple of fights this weekend and, but it also, guess what? I get to see my parents too. So I get to, you know, they're up there as well. So I'm still making sure I'm nurturing these, these relationships at the same time. Hands and pots, lots and lots of different places, but like, <laughs> I, I feel like, you, I feel like I just need to kind of do all these things at this point in my time to kind of figure things out for sure. So, Joe, I actually want to delineate the five stages that our Kiplinger author talks about, and also he kind of makes that point that if we do this right, we can actually skip some of the difficult in between stages. So, Joe, let's talk about the first stage. He calls it pre-retirement. Richard says that if we get this stage right, we can skip stages two through four and make this a two-stage process. This is the step where we envision retirement and strategically plan for it. Joe, let's go back to your days as an advisor. Did people do this? Did they get that kind of pre-retirement step? Did they engage in it before they were like right on the cusp of retiring? The, the, there's a short answer to that. And the long answer, the short answer is no. People would generally show up in my office far too late. They would have five years or less before oh, they're ready to retire. They thought there was that, that, that was where the rubber is going to meet the road. And when it came to envisioning, sometimes then it wasn't too late, but certainly we had to modify a lot of goals. And I'll give you an example. I had a client that, that wanted to have a house on the, on the Western shore of Lake Michigan in on the Michigan side. So she could get these awesome sunsets. And for people that don't know Lake Michigan, it's, it's like being on the ocean, right? Uh, uh, you got this gorgeous stuff. You got these beautiful sleepy towns along the West side of Michigan. What she found out was that a lot of that, that Chicago money had bought up a lot of that real estate in these towns. In fact, a lot of the towns along Lake Michigan, a lot of the people that live there are like, hey, if you love it, shut up about it, right? Because <laughs> we don't need the prices going even higher. Well, she found that out. And so she comes to my office and she's pretty de dejected because when we tried to put the plan together, she did not have enough money to buy what she wanted right on the lake. She she was very much a people person, very much an extrovert, and also wanted to keep working. And so what was interesting was she was able to later on 
she widened her, her vision of what retirement was. And we worked on this and she bought a house on a hill that was on the other side of the street, but she had a beautiful view of Lake Michigan over the trees. And she created this bed and breakfast from this old Victorian home. She remodeled it. She got financing and she ended up doing exactly what she wanted, waking up every morning on the porch, looking at Lake Michigan, but also the other piece she wanted surrounded by people doing something that wasn't the mid-level healthcare manager she had been instead being somebody who's serving people breakfast, having fun. And certainly there were parts of it that she didn't, she didn't love every day, but, but, but for her, it was almost the ultimate retirement, but she had to widen the lens to get there. So the quick answer is no, people don't. What I would do though, in seminars was I would try to get people to envision this earlier. And we try to do it in the most fun way possible, which meant I put, I put regular, um, copy paper in front of them and Crayola crayons. And I said, you can't use any words. Try to draw out what, what you're going to do during retirement. And I got to tell you, doc, how, how, how hard it was for somebody at age 45 to pick up crayons. Like it was easy when we were five, right? I wanted to be the, the president or I wanted to be a firefighter. or I wanted to be, you know, all these big, cool things. But we get to 45 and now we're hoping for a 3% raise and, you know, maybe one notch up on the salary. Like we don't dream anymore. And so to get people back to that was, was a struggle, but I was always fighting to see if we could do that sooner rather than later. John, are the podcasts and the blogs and the personal finance content out there, is it selling us short here by not talking about this pre-retirement stage? Is this something that you hear people covering as you're listening to your daily podcast when you're commuting to work? Well, to your credit, I think you do a good job of it. Well, of Gets course. Gets thinking but... about it, right? <laughs> That's why so... he asked. That's why he asked. <laughs> it was all a setup. It was all a setup for the glory. <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I mean, with there's a there's a couple that are out there that I think that do 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 that. Choose FI is one of them that I I to throw some throw somebody out there. But then there's other ones that are really are are truly driven by the uh, by the numbers and the the finances. I think that's good too. Like, I mean, I'm always trying to learn th things here and and pick some things up you know things change too right you know there's there's tax tax issues there's laws that happen you know so you need to kind of be aware of that i i, I kind of i always kind of dabble in and out the the real estate thing you know i i say that's cool and then i you know think back i'm like yeah i don't have the stomach for it and or, or the bandwidth to do it because as as much as it's sold as passive it's not <laughs> at least initially anyway so I don't, I don't, I'm not getting much of that from the, from the personal finance community. I, I've actually, a lot of my, the things that, that I've read to kind of grow on more of this type of stuff is, has actually been found out through more or less, you know, the longevity kind of issues that I found. The Arthur Brooks readings were from Peter Atiyah, yeah. you know, that's yeah. how I got started listening to to him and reading his stuff, you know? So yeah, I, I, I think outside of you, Jordan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting, this idea that the content's out there. It's just not paired with the personal finance content. Yep. So in personal finance, we're really talking about how do we get you there, but we're not necessarily telling you how to prepare and what you're going to do once you're there. Whereas some of these other groups are, especially like the longevity people, et cetera. Yeah. Well, you and I, Doc, have had this conversation a lot with our podcast, which is too often the negative feedback we get 
from from power finance nerds is that we're not nerdy enough, that we're not deep enough into the numbers 24-7, and that we're not more, you know, I mean, Stacking Benjamins it has humor at its heart, mostly based on the science of play. I mean, one of my favorite, favorite current TED Talks is uh, Catherine Price and and the the idea of seeking fun. Like she is singing off my my song sheet because educating people through more fun and through more playfulness you know, is the heart of, for my show, the negative reviews that we get. The only negative review I get over and over is that we screw around too much. And I'm like, it's funny because I taught you five things on this show and you were so obsessed because you're such a money nerd with the fact that we're messing around and messing with your head that you missed all that. You missed all the teaching because, which is funny because for somebody that's not the Uber nerd, I think that's why our show has found some success is because of that same thing. Cause it's, it's a bigger entry point, but, but I think that we focus way too much on quote the number versus we got to dream more. We definitely got to, got to think more of, of what's my life about and less about how do I reach this, this point in time where unicorns and rainbows are going to suddenly appear <laughs> life is going to magically change because it doesn't, I mean, we still show up that day. So that definitely brings us to stage two, maybe the unicorns phase and rainbow phase. Richard, our author for Kiplinger.com calls this full retirement. And you remember, this is actually one of the phases he thinks we can eventually skip if we get stage one right. But he calls stage two, this is the phase where blissful reality of fully experiencing one's wealth sets in. This is a time of calming yet exhilarating sensations as retirees immerse themselves in the fruits of their labor. Enjoying one's wealth is more about relationships, identity, and purpose than it is about money. The exhilaration of full retirement is rarely experienced because most retirees skim or skip over step one. Do you agree with that, Joe? I mean, do you agree with that first, that last sentence that it's actually usually missed? I think it is usually missed because I think even as you were reading that, I was thinking about a member of our community here locally. I I do work with a nonprofit called Partnership for the Pathway. We build walking trails around Texarkana. And uh, for me, that's one of my passions outside of, you know, stacking Benjamins. When I think about that, we just got done doing a half marathon raising money. And there's a gentleman I want to call out. His name's Frank Bright. Frank Bright just turned 80 years old. This last year, he won in this half marathon, the 60 and over category for running again. And what's funny is that's not just Frank as a runner. Frank's an amazing human being. And he does so much work locally in the community. I don't even think he comes out to win his age group at the race. He just happens to be a really good runner. He comes out to support trails. He comes to, to I know, local meetings for different things in Treeport. At 80 years old, he's not what we usually see. He's super involved. I don't even know what the hell Frank did before he was, quote, retired. And I think that's a testament to Frank and to really people that nail it. But the fact that I can say Frank Bright and Frank, I hope you hear this, that Frank Bright and Shreveport, such a badass at age 80, leads me to believe we don't see this enough. John, it's an interesting question. I mean, what Joe is talking about is can you in your own life, and I want you to really picture forward, could you in your own life picture a retirement where people didn't even know you used to be a doc? Because they were identifying you and seeing you doing other kind of purposeful things that lit you up. 
Wow. You know what? As you know, and I, I think probably one of you're one of the people that that I I you're only the, one of the only few people that I know that actually has kind of really made something more of themselves outside of being like when you're a doc, it really becomes your identity. Like it, you you've worked so hard to get there, and you've you've put so much time in. You know, it's tough to tough to kind of envision myself in that kind of sense. I mean, like I feel in that whatever the second curve of my life is, I think medicine's still going to be a part of it. I can't say that for sure, but, but I can't see that for myself. Now, certainly I can see where Joe's coming from. I want to be that 80 year old badass. That's who I want to be, you know, but, but, but for, for my, for myself, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily something that I can see for me. But you know, what's, what's interesting is, I I also think equally badass. I'll throw out another name. John Dorsey, Doctor John Dorsey, is it was a pediatrician in Detroit that my my wife had the great pleasure to work with. He died at ninety four. John still a doctor at age ninety four. And to your point that it was his identity, it was not. It was not uh, pre retirement retirement. It was this. This is who he was. And and what was cool was though he wasn't just a doctor to all these kids growing up and and their parents and taking care of these families. John Dorsey also did it with the community. He was on television talking about money. He was always at the preventative medicine stuff. He was out speaking to nonprofit groups and to you know local local groups about being healthier and raising healthier families. Like for him, I think it was. It wasn't about the money or a fi number as much as it, it, it was bridging that gap. So I don't think necessarily it has to be a stretch like it was for Frank. It could be John just, you know, is doing this thing, but now more as a, as, as it's because, you know, he can't imagine talking about anything else versus, versus, you know, trying to uh, pay the bills every month. We are talking to community member John Neidecker and expert Joe Salcihai of The Stag Benjamin Show. And this is a current events Thursday. We are discussing Richard P. Himmer's article on Kiplinger.com that's titled The Five Stages of Retirement and How to Skip Three of Them. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. 
Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. Welcome back to Earn and Invest. We are here with community member John Neidecker, who is a 43-year-old primary care sports physician, as well as Joe Salcihai, who's the creator and co-host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast. And we are discussing the five stages of retirement. We covered stages one and two. Joe, let's move to stage three, and it is disenchantment. Our author from Kiplinger.com says, unfortunately, the retirement journey isn't without its challenges. Feelings of unmet expectations, disillusionments, and disappointment may surface during this stage requiring introspection and adjustment. When retirement is not properly planned, the transition to retirement life immediately impacts mental and physical well-being. Life expectancy is negatively impacted at this stage lasts long. Wow. Life expectancy, Joe? I mean, he goes all the way out there with this stage. Yeah, and it it actually isn't this simple. Ken Dykewald, the 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 retirement expert, puts this through its paces, and I think we should drag our feet on this a little bit and go through really the roller coaster ride that you get on if you get stage one and two wrong. Here's what Ken Dykewald showed, and by the way, when I've gone around the country talking about this, not just the head nods, but the people that are retired that I've talked to that come up to me and go, "That is exactly what happened to me." just proves that Dykewald is right on this. And here's what it is. For the first 18 months, you have this euphoria. I can't believe I don't have to show up to work every day. It's amazing. It's like a vacation. Pinch myself. It's incredible. And it's and this is, by the way, for that large group of people we talked about earlier, that's the, I'm going to travel and play golf people, right? I, I'm on the golf course. What the hell am I doing here again? This is amazing. 18 months is about what that lasts. And then somewhere in the 18 month range, the average person wakes up and goes, this is it. There's nothing beyond this. Like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. There's got to be something more to my life than just this. Am I, am I done? Did I leave all my existence, all my purpose back there at X job that I was? And why was I so quick to want to leave that? I mean, we're seeing this in real time with John Stewart right now, right? Going back to the daily show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, and, and, and we see it closer to home in the personal finance space. People have bought their blogs back, people who, who buying their, their identities back. So I think, I think that's what happens first before we get to the, what's my purpose. And then the deep, deep, deep despair. And then for a lot of people, sadly, the, the, the early death stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the death rattle that happens. John, have you seen people in this despair? Because it's one thing to read about it, but have you seen it in family, friends, 
other people you know, have you watched them go through this? Because I most definitely have found people, especially in the early retirement years, who like quit at 40, 41, 42. And then a year and a half, two years into it, I've definitely started hearing people say, hmm, I wonder what I should be doing now. To a small degree, I wouldn't say it was as tragic as 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 sometimes this is made out to be, and it can be, to be honest. My father, my father was a Home Depot manager and he retired and he he was happy, super happy about it. And he certainly took his time and he took it easy. But over time, you know, he he got bored and he he needed some interaction. He said he works at a minor league baseball park and helps clean it up. And, and I'm, when he, when he told me he was doing that, I was like, yeah, great. I'm glad you're out there kind of getting some exercise. You're working, you're, you're interacting with some people. He said the best thing about it though, is like, well, you know, I have no responsibility though. I don't have to, there was a big argument between two of the workers and the, I wanted to in my normal job when I was working as a manager, I needed to step in and take care of that. He was like, I didn't, I didn't have to do that. And that felt great. But, but he, uh, but it's something that he needed to do a little bit, but outside of that, that's, uh, that's my only really true firsthand experience. Again, I think I, being maybe older or getting in, into things, I'm sure you get exposed to that a lot more just with, with friends and family. So I feel like we've fallen into the pit of despair. Stage three is the bottom of the hero's journey. And now we are ready to emerge Joe, stage four is reorientation. This is the crucial period for resetting expectations. And I want to move on to stage five, reconciliation and stability. I believe originally the author is like, that should be hopefully stage two if you get stage one right. So the idea is you go from pre-retirement right to reconciliation and stability and skip the other three. The article continues, the final stage involves restoring a sense of purpose and direction in life. Finding stability in day-to-day living becomes paramount, leading to a balanced and fulfilling retirement. This is only possible with expectations that are in harmony with pre-planning, identity, and purpose. This is step two, take two. Joe, I kind of, I'm starting to feel like this, like the five stages of retirement are very similar to the five stages of grief, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I I, I mean, are they sounding the same to you too? Oh no, it totally is acceptance, isn't it? It Totally. (laughs) It, 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 It totally is acceptance. I get, I get where I'm at, but sometimes I feel like we accept in the wrong spot. Like we accept too, too little. But directionally, what Michelangelo said, it's not about setting your goals too high and not achieving them. It's about setting them too low and then, and then jumping them. And I feel like sometimes people get to this retirement spot and we, and we just become accepting of the fact that, well, maybe, maybe I, I don't have much to give. I don't have much to do. I feel like we, we fall for that too often later in life when we still have so much to give. We have so much in our community, but you know what? I don't think that's all our fault. And don't get me wrong. I love personal responsibility and the fact that it is, but how many times have you heard, why is she still working? What is she doing here? You know, when maybe it is what she loves to do. Maybe it's not about money anymore. Maybe it's something else. Like we expect people to be put out to pasture. Why are they showing up every day? Well, maybe it's, maybe it's, it's less about financial independence. It is about this uh, journey that we're on. You know, it really, rings true as I'm listening to you talk about this. As we 
progress towards retirement, the mistake is to really think it's an ending. But it sounds like these people who really get to this kind of maturity and happiness in retirement have really started building again. Maybe the goals aren't as concrete as they were during their professional life. But as you were saying, it's anything but stopping short. In fact, I feel like what these happy people are finding is that there is an expansiveness that you could allow yourself in retirement to really grow and build in just a very different way than maybe you did in your original career. John, are you buying the premise of this article? So the main premise is that we can skip a lot of these most difficult stages, yet I am a big fan of the hero's journey, right? And you can't really make the hero's journey unless you fall into the pit first, and then you have to climb your way out. In other words, it's a process. And maybe to get to an acceptance we have to go through that process. Do you think we can skip these steps or do we have to go through some of the pain to truly be happy as we get to that really good acceptance place in retirement? Well, the work needs to be done, whether it's done before or it's done after the the work needs to be done. And to a degree that that is a little bit of suffering, right? To, to kind of, even if you're doing it prior to, you're still trying to figure things out and and work through things and, and stuff. So yeah, I know we want it maybe a little dramatic here with the with the hero's journey and stuff. But I'm a dramatic guy, John. Yeah, I'm a dramatic yeah. Guy. But, but I'm buying it. I actually I I enjoyed the article because I I I I agree with it. I think I think there are always some some things that necessarily you don't it, things don't get brought up. I, I, my my feeling I I have a I have a thought of in the sense of financial independence being more of a thing to achieve for options okay so i don't know what's in what's what's ahead of me i don't know what i'm going to necessarily be doing concretely but if i'm if i'm financially sound i know i have more options if i didn't the same thing goes along with with health too i i you know i think we need to be that's if you want to talk about one thing that's not talked about in the financial independence in, industry i don't think we spend enough time on health i mean maybe that's me being a physician but if if you're not healthy it don't matter what happens at the at the end of things so 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 that's another thing that that needs to be worked on and continuously worked on because no matter what you there is going to be a decline with that so we need to we need to make sure we're in a, an optimal place of health so and maintain that. I think that's why so many older people who live so vibrantly later down the road is because they don't stop. They keep on doing things, both physically and mentally. I was reading a piece just yesterday, John, about gait analysis and how just the speed and the gait at which people walk can project longevity. And if you're somebody that naturally has a spring in your step and you're excited to get to point B, wherever that might be, you're mm-hmm. probably going to live longer. If you're somebody who's, you know, dragging, that's that's an early sign that things aren't going well. But, but because, and they built this link, which I think is what you're doing, which between the health of the person who's walking and really what's going on in your brain. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, exercise, we know it helps helps us cardiovascularly. It helps decrease cancer. It helps with our metabolic health. It helps us from the risk of, of injury. I mean, that's something that, that happens. I think that the current stats, it's changed through my training and stuff, but when, when a geriatric hip fracture happens, 50% of no, it's, I think it's one third now it's one third of those, those, those people who have a, a fracture in their hip in their, their, their elderly years, they're dead in a one third of them are dead in a year. 
Wow. I mean, this is powerful stuff to to really understand that. Um, so it's something that continuously needs to be worked on. But again, with with financial independence, with good health, you're giving yourself more options on defining what you're doing in the later end of, of things. And the work needs to be done regardless whether it's done before or after retirement. You know, it's funny, John, we spent time earlier talking about playfulness and about, about the stuff going on, you know, financially, we want to be nerds and, and really dive into the numbers, but I think we need to dream more. I think it's the same with health. Like, like I, I seriously don't like the fact that as a 56 year old man, there aren't as many competitive avenues as there were when I was in high school. You know, in high school, if I wanted to get in shape, I didn't worry about, you know, my heart rate or whatever. I just went and joined the swim team, you know, and then I'm surrounded by cool people and I'm just out there, quote, competing, but I don't really care. I was a horrible, I swam like a brick, but it was so fun to be part of, to be part of this team. I wish that we had playfulness in, in our health as well, uh, as much as we did then. And, and I know there's some things out there, but it just feels like, you know, I'm on a stationary bike pretending I'm bicycling versus out there with a group of people. My heart is in, in competing as well, too. I guess where I've made the, you know, I used to, my, my competitive endeavors were, was with wrestling. So I, I really know how to embrace the grind in that kind of sense. And I deal with athletes all the time and, and, and stuff. But I think the, the big thing that you need to do as you get older is like, yeah, there's competing against somebody else is, is always fun. But the bottom line is, is as we get older, we need to really compete against ourselves and compete against the clock and compete against father time, who is always going to win, but we can certainly continue to play the game against them as long as we can. I find though, I don't know why, like gamifying that though, John, because, and and I'm sorry, this fascinates me. This might be a whole, this might be a whole separate vein. But I find that when I think about competing against the clock, that doesn't lead me away from the donut. But if I sign up for a 5k six weeks from now, I won't pick up the donut. I'm going to, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to get my butt out there. I'm going to do the things that it takes to make sure that I show up for myself. Like, and you know, I get online for the 5k. I'm not thinking I'm going to win. I don't think I'm Frank Bright from Shreveport. Who's 80 years old winning the 60 and over division. Like I'm just high five of myself. If I drag my butt across the finish line. But, but it's funny when I sign up for these quote competitions, it really helps. And I think it's just the gamification of exercise that makes it more fun. Well, I wanted to end here and I like that we ended with sports and specifically pushing ourselves physically, because I think the story is exactly the same when it comes to retirement. In fact, I think that's the point of this article in a sense, we have to build that gamification, that sense of challenge, not just during our career, but also afterwards, especially if we're not going to end up in that pit of despair and have trouble getting out. And I think that's the point of the article. I want to end this episode the way we end every episode. Joe, tell us where we can find you. And specifically, if people want to know more about either you or Stagging Benjamins, how they can do that. You'll find me every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, sometimes with the amazing Doc G on the Stacking Benjamin Show, wherever finer shows like this one are distributed. And we do, we call it the greatest money show on earth because we try to make sure it's a circus of uh, good times talking about money. 
And John Neidecker, please tell everyone how you ended up on the show because these are Community Thursdays. We're doing them once a month and I am looking for community members like you. And I hate to say this, but I'd be looking also for more women because I get all these guys who write me and they're signing up to be on. I'd love to also have some women on these Community Thursdays. So John, how can people sign up to be on the show? Well, I got the idea when I was doing my morning workout, listening to your podcast and you asked for volunteers and, and after my workout, I sent you an email and and you replied back to me pretty quick. So I'm glad to be here. I will reply, go to earninvest.com. There are multiple places that you can respond there in a contact form, or you can write me at doc G at diversify.com D I V E R S E F I.com. But if you just go to earninvest.com, it is really easy to find the contact form. Let me know if you're interested. This has been a community Thursday. Thank you, John and Joe, for being on the show. Thank you. And as always, man. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. All right, follow me down the rabbit hole here. Any chance I get to argue with Frank Vasquez from Risk Parity Radio, I love to do it. I recently put a poll out on Facebook about meaning and purpose, and I asked, are they the same thing? This is how Frank responded, and I love this response for lots of reasons, but let's get to it first. He said, hmm, this is a trick question. If I say yes, does it mean no the way it is posed here? In truth, they could be sometimes, but probably not in most cases. A more intense question might be, under what circumstances do they collapse into each other? We're talking about meaning and purpose here. I think Arthur Brooks would answer that with, typically, when they're replaced by ambition, which is generally measured in money and power, fame, or some combination of the three. The goal, meaning and purpose of ambition, is outer validation from whatever society that person occupies. In its ugliest form, it looks like the end of the novel 1984. Now, I responded to Frank by saying, I think meaning and purpose are two totally different things and hopefully don't eventually become ambition. Frank's response was, and I think he's talking about Arthur Brooks here, he said one of his thesis was that it ends up being the default of many highly skilled people in modern society, this usually represented by forms of careerism. It makes sense because we are obsessed with only two basic stories, which are the hero's journey and the not the hero's journey. It's agency versus fatalism in a highly dualist view of the world. You might replace life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with life, liberty, and the right to go on the hero's journey. The main problem with the hero's journey is that it tends to see fame and fortune as the ultimate goal and relationships as incidental. In fact, heroes tend to only cultivate relationships with others that are on or in aid of their hero's journey and leave others by the wayside. In this manner, a hero's journey and cultivating relationships always have a fundamental tension between them. Thus, it makes a bad paradigm for post-financial independence endeavors. The Phi journey itself is enough hero's journey for most people if some form of transcendence or cultivating relationships is the ultimate goal. All right, that is a lot to digest, but let me give you a different view. Here's what I think. I think meaning is all about how we cognitively think of our past and purpose is about our present and future. What I see in the financial independence community often is that we think 
that if we just find purpose, we're going to be happy. But the problem is we don't really have a truly formed sense of meaning. In other words, we set up these big audacious goals like financial independence, these things that are amazingly important to us. And once we reach that goal, we recognize that we're lost when it comes to purpose because we haven't done any really deep thinking about it. What we're really doing is we're searching for enough and we're feeling like we can fill that hole in ourselves of enoughness by stuffing money in it. And the problem is that doesn't work. Here's where I think meaning comes in. See, meaning is the way we think about our past. And this gets back into the hero's journey. And I would separate the hero's journey from the victim's journey or what Frank calls the non-hero's journey. See, in the hero's journey, we fall into a pit and climb out and end up in a better place. Whereas in the victim's journey, we kind of blame or have this idea that fatalistically everything was done against us and therefore we didn't succeed. I don't see the hero's journey or the victim's journey going towards ambition, career, or even wealth. I think we use the hero's journey to actually bring meaning to our past. We struggle with trauma. We went through bad things. Those who tell themselves stories about their lives that make it magical, those who create their own sense of a hero's journey, independent of wealth, independent of career or achievements, but based on the idea that they went through a bunch of crap and survived it, those people have a sense of of meaning that tells them that they are enough. And therefore, they don't have to start looking at purpose as the way to get to enoughness because purpose is about the present and future and it can't make you feel enough. The only way to make yourself feel enough is to go back and cognitively think about your past and attribute a sense of meaning to it. And the way you do that is by taking on the hero's journey and realizing that although you went through a bunch of bad things, you are generally a good person and achieved a lot by surviving, not by thriving, not by making lots of money, not by going far in your career, but was in surviving those bad things that happened to you that make you enough, that make you the hero. So I don't agree with Frank because I don't think the hero's journey ends in ambition or careerism. I think it ends in a feeling of enough because you survived whatever traumas you faced in your past. And therefore, meaning and purpose are very different things. Meaning is that hero's journey, the way we cognitively look at our past. It's the story we tell ourselves so that we feel like enough in our past. So then we can do things in the present and future. We can build a sense of purpose. And that purpose is actually what connects us to other people and relationships in the here and now. All right, I think I leave things running for just a minute or two to catch any after show. John, thank you so much. Like if I Dude, that was great. If every community member is like you and Ian, these are going to be fantastic episodes because you guys you bring it and I love it because I I do think the earn and invest community are just very thoughtful people. Even if we talk about something that might not be in your wheelhouse, mm-hmm. like this kind of input I think is just really important. No, I had a great time and it's it's super super cool to to be a part of this. I mean, I yeah, people talk about how you you kind of get to know somebody just by listening all the time through a podcast and I I felt very very comfortable with you because I've 
I've kind of just had you in my earphones for for so long now. It's uh, and you too, Joe. You too as well. Uh, Thanks, man. <laughs> so um, uh, this was really fun, and I, I'd be listen. I, you might you're gonna get the probably the 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 community members that are, are real gung ho about this initially because they're gonna they feel feel good about doing it. I guess that's there's a little bit of bias there, but um, I listen. I'd be happy to do this again if you ever have me again. So. Yeah. Well, the, Joey, more, the, the more you get to spend time with Doc G, though, John, the more you'll find out what a creepy really is. <laughs> yeah, that you don't really want to spend that much time with me. But Unfortunately, this whole, Joe is stuck this whole, now. But. This whole, I'm just a really nice guy who's like <laughs> a all, giver to the all, community. It's all bullshit. Just a sham. <laughs> there's a there's a timeshare presentation coming at the end of this, John. <laughs> yeah, you haven't received your bill yet for being on the show, have you? <laughs> But Joe, all joking aside, I feel like these episodes give us just a very different feel that we don't because you and I, we do podcasts all the time, right? Whether it be for Sang Benjamins or for an investor, sometimes we're on other people's shows together. It's always kind of the quote unquote experts, right? These people who spend a lot of their time being behind a microphone. It's really nice to have someone from the community who just has a different perspective and look at things. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 but it's hard. I mean, it is hard because how many times have we reached out to community members and then you get them on the mic and they're, you're like, oh crap, they don't know how to tell a story. <laughs> like it just That's why we don't do it more. Like people ask us why we don't do it more. And it's because the number of times you're like, I don't think we can air that. It, it just, yeah. So credit to you, John. Well, thank you. I, then that's very nice for you to say. Yeah, I definitely spend a lot of time thinking about how to take voices of people who are not people like Joe and I who are behind a microphone all the time and make sure to amplify their unique perspectives, even in the face of maybe it not being the clearest presentation, right? And so mm -hmm. you can use editing and all sorts of things to try to clean things up to make it sound as clear as possible. But but it is a point. Like We just use... We just use AI now. A, a, a descript, John, will make it so you can say whatever we, we want you to say. <laughs> we That's can make scary. up a story and put those words in your mouth. So, <laughs> Right. I took all this and turned this into, like, we got rid of the Choose FI reference and changed it to Stacky Benjamins. Right. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> hey, suck it, Brad Barrett. Suck it. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm going to do? Like, here's what I, I'm going to do. I'm going to download next Choose FI episode Put it into Descript, change the AI so that every reference to almost anything is earn and invest. <laughs> and then I'm just going to like link it out there in social media and see if I can get people to listen to it. <laughs> My favorite person, by the way, to throw shade at is Brad Bear because he's the nicest human being alive. Mm -hmm. Like he is, he is a hundred percent the nicest human being, which is always when you can paint Brad Barrett as a bad guy, it just makes yeah. it that much funnier. Which is, which is, <laughs> which is unlike me, because mine is just fake, and I'm going right. to give you my timeshare presentation when no one's looking. But Brad's or actually AMI. real, yeah. Right. That's just before you start drawing circles on a piece of paper for yeah. us. All right, I better stop this while we're ahead. You care about your money, of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. 
With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.